Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. It's a brand new year, and what better time to get going with that online store you've been thinking of? Those I was there when Arsenal actually scored a goal t-shirts would fly off the shelves right now. And to get yourself up and running, you need Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way through to the did we hit a million order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort with thanks to Shopify magic, your AI powered all star. Sign up for a $1 a month trial period at shopify.com slash arsblog, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash arsblog now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash arsblog. brand new Arsblog Arscast right here on Arsblog.com. I hope you're well and recovering from what has been, you would have to say, a fairly trying and difficult week for the Arsenal, for the club, for the fans, for everybody. Think about it. Since the last time we spoke, we've gone out of the Champions League in controversial circumstances. And I don't care what anyone says about the way we played or the way that Barcelona played. It was controversial. The red card made a big difference, and we'll touch on that uh, as the show goes on. Dropped two points last weekend against Sunderland because a linesman couldn't see that an onside man was onside and gave him offside. So we dropped two points, and despite the fact that we made a net gain um, on Manchester United, uh, the gap isn't as close as we wanted it to be, nor as close as it should have been had the linesman got his eyes checked. Uh, What else? Injuries. Chesney's dislocated his finger and damaged the tendon in his finger, and probably he'll get some kind of infection, and his arm will swell up and fill with pus, and then they'll have to cut it off. As well as that, you wait for charges for Samir Nasri and Arsene Wenger for comments they made to shit referee Massimo Busaka after the game uh, on Tuesday night. Apparently they told him they thought he was shit, and uh, he took offence, and... According to Arsene Wenger, well, from what Arsene implies, the referee gave a little bit back. This is a referee, of course, that gave the finger to young boys. And uh, living in Ireland, I know that one should always be dubious of men who like to finger young boys. Uh, He also took a piss on the pitch. Seriously. In the middle of a game. He stood there on the corner of the penalty spot and urinated and got banned for three games. So he is clearly insane. Because nobody takes their lad out 
in the middle of a football match and has a piss. Well, I know Jens did it, but he went behind the, the advertising hoardings. He didn't just get his Johnson out and start sprinkling the turf. I mean, who's going to slide tackle in that area of the pitch again? So it hasn't gone as well as it probably should have, or might have anyway. Certainly not as well as we had hoped. And you kind of got the feeling it was going to be one of those weeks after the Sunderland game, the penalty that wasn't given on our Shavin, and maybe he should have fallen over. Would he have been branded a diver if he had? Well, we've seen penalties given with much uh, less contact than that. Um, he tried to stay on his feet and take a shot, and in the end that proved to be probably the wrong decision. Even if he had fallen over, there was no guarantee the ref would have given it anyway. He might have given him a yellow card. And then there was the offside goal. Uh, Arshavin clearly onside and given offside by the linesman, who whatever his name is, Trevor Molminge or Arthur Gleechomper. I don't know what his name is. All I know is that he's a pretty shit linesman because it wasn't even that difficult a decision to make. He looked well onside to me at the time and the replay showed that he was indeed well onside. Arsene Wenger not particularly happy at all afterwards. And then the week, it kind of teased us a little bit. It said, I know Sunderland didn't go very well, but what about this? And uh, Man United lose to Liverpool. And Ferguson goes into media lockdown and they're feeling the pressure. And you're thinking, hey, this isn't bad. And, you know, it could have been worse. In fairness, we might have been closer, but, you know, we'll take what we're given. And then... What's this on the Arsenal website before the Barcelona? Robin van Persie's in training? How is this possible? He was like three, three or four weeks out. And three or four weeks for Robin is, you know, usually longer. And all of a sudden he's fit and he might play and then he's starting the game and you're thinking, you know, things could be looking up here. And uh, Barcelona dominated the first half, but we defended very, very well. The tackling was fantastic, uh, well-timed. The attempts on goal were few and far between, and uh, only a mistake from Sesk uh, gave them the first goal. Now, in fairness, they had a lot to do, and they, what they did, they did it very well, and Messi's finish was, well, it was really, really good, and had it not been against Arsenal, I would enjoy it. I'd watch it again, because that little dink up and then in is just first class. But it was against Arsenal, so I won't. But anyway, we get the goal, uh, the own goal, and you're thinking that this is, uh, yeah, this could happen. Because for all the possession, they weren't creating chances. I know there was one just after we scored uh, for Villa, but that was just the whole, you're always at your most vulnerable after you've just scored thing, you see. And we would have coped with that. And I think with 11 versus 11, uh, we would have we would have held on. They might have scored another one, but I don't think they would have scored two, and we would have gone through. With the sending off, what can you say? It was shit. Normally, if a decision is bad, you can sort of see why it was bad. You know what I mean? The ref thinks that a foul was worse than it was, or, or whatever. But this, a second between whistle that Van Persie may or may not have heard, and the shot. I mean, that's not time-wasting. You just can't. I mean, if that's time-wasting, right, how do you not book a goalkeeper every time he takes more than three seconds to take a goal kick, for example? It's just a ridiculous, ridiculous red card, and I think that 
clearly had a massive impact, despite the fact they had all the possession and despite the fact that we really didn't play particularly well on the night. We had done what we had set out to do. We knew they were going to score at some point. We didn't know we were going to give them a half gift of the goal, but we knew we would have to score, and we did. Well, we didn't. They gave us a gift of a goal. So it was fairly even Stevens. And I just think with 11 versus 11, we would have done enough to go through, but there you go. Uh, And it turned out to be uh, a painful, controversial exit from Europe against a very, very good team, of course. Uh, But we lose Chesney for X amount of weeks uh, with his finger injury, and we lose Sesk and charges and that. It's all very unsavory. It really is. Not the way we had hoped the week was going to go. But that's football. And what can we do? Only pick ourselves up, move on, and just try and win uh, the rest of our games and hope that we're not too badly affected by this uh, from an injury point of view and from a psychological point of view. We just need to find a bit of momentum again uh, because we're stalling and uh, we're heading into the business end of the season. So, uh, fingers crossed we can pick that up uh, this weekend. That game uh, will be previewed, of course, uh, a little bit later on in the show. Now, though, with his always succinct roundup of the week's events, Here's Internet Joe. Oi, Internet Joe. Here's me 30 second round up. Sunderland, big chance today. Just need the one goal. Ah, Sharon, get in there. What? Linesman, you fucking Stevie Wonder wanker. Cost us two points. Barcelona. Pass, 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 pass. Yeah, we bleed and get it. Ah, Sask, what was that? Busquets on goal. Ha, 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 you dopey looking cunt. Robin shoots. What? Ref, that's not a second yellow. Not even Phil Down would have given that against us. You piss drinking, scaldy looking muppet. I wish our man had an abortion. More from Internet Joe on next week's Arscast. Still to come, we'll be looking ahead to the Manchester United game of the weekend, all the team news, the possibility of a new signing. Yes, it's true. Even though the transfer window is closed, something could happen. Uh, as well as that, Arshavin will be along in a few moments' time. But now, I'm delighted to welcome to the Arscast to talk about all the bits and pieces that have gone on this week. Guardian journalist and Arsenal fan, Paolo Bandini. Hi there. Hey, how you doing, Andrew? Very well, thank you. Now, let, let's start with Barcelona. All the talk afterwards was, uh, well, clearly from an Arsenal point of view, all the talk was of the red card and uh, the the sending off of Robin van Persie. However, those uh, on the other side of things might point to the stats and the fact that Arsenal didn't have a shot on goal, uh, that Barcelona had X amount of shots on goal and X amount of possession. But the stats don't necessarily tell the true story because I think the the majority of their chances came when Arsenal were were down to 10 men. What's your thoughts on the, the impact of the sending off? Because... My thought is that until um, until that happened, Arsenal were doing pretty well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think uh, if you want to be totally even-handed about it, you have to also accept that there were maybe some decisions that went against Barca over the course of the tie, like, for instance, that Lionel Messi goal that was disallowed in the first leg. Mm. But I think at that point in the game, um, at one all, Arsenal had every chance of going through. And I think, to be honest with you, you could, you could even go further and say they clearly still had some chance of going through went on 10 men because Nicholas Bentner had that chance right at the end. So you can talk all you like about um, shots on goal, about passes, about possession. But actually, I'm sure if you looked at the game against Inter last year, you'd find a very similar pattern. I don't know the exact numbers, but I, you know, and I know famously, of course, we were the first ones not to have an attempt on goal. Um, but, you know, Inter didn't exactly have a hatful last year at Barcelona, but they knew exactly what they needed to do and, and they got it done. And and this year, we we really, you know, we needed to draw. We needed to, even losing 2-1 would have got us to extra time and scored that second goal at the end and we would have been in a fine position. So 
I'm not saying Arsenal played, you know, went out there and, and executed a fantastic game plan because they didn't. I think there were lots of things that were wrong with it. But at the same time, at one all with 11 men, they had a chance. Um, I think the sending off, clearly <laughs> to my mind, was wrong-headed. I know some people mm. still still are arguing the toss over that one. But to me, even even if you think he's done it on purpose, as as the point has been made, you know, it, it's not like it was a situation where he actually wasted really any significant amount of time at all. Um, and uh, and I think that as a referee in, in a in, in a game of any significance, really, you need to take into account the match situation. And perhaps he perceive Van Persie having been petulant at the end of the first half. But I think you need to just look at the look at where you are in a game and say, do we really need to give a second yellow card now? And it's going to skew the game as much as it would, rather than give a guy talking to. Mm. Arsene Wenger today has described uh, UEFA as something of a dictatorship and suggests that they need a bit more humility. Uh, given the fact that he's been charged and Samir Nasri has been charged. And he was quite cagey uh, in the sense that he, he was asked, what did he say to the referee? And he said, I'm not going to tell you what I said, but if, if I'm made say what I said, uh, then I'll tell you what other people said. So um, <laughs> clearly, there was, uh, clearly there, was, there was some animated discussion uh, in the tunnel w- with the referee afterwards. Uh, but it, it was such a, a significant occurrence in the game because the, the amount of chances post the sending off um, I mean, Barcelona are so good that they can uh, exploit the extra space and the fact that Arsenal are tired and immediately have to go into a shell. Yeah, well, exactly. I think when you're, when you're talking about how Barcelona played and you saw it, uh, saw it on, on Tuesday, it was a really remarkable display of pressing football. And, and, and Arsenal carp against that a lot, actually, in the Premier League. Um, plenty of teams carp and try and press Arsenal high up the pitch like that, but very few are as good as Barcelona as, as Barcelona are at it. And that's exactly the end, the end goal, is to have everyone tired by the end of the match. And I think it's, it's interesting in some ways, because I think possibly in a couple of the times when, when Barcelona have done that to us, and I think you look at the, the two games of the Emirates over the last two years, certainly, exactly what's actually wound up happening is, is Barcelona have been the ones who seem to have perhaps taken their foot off in their latter stages, perhaps allowed themselves to get a little bit more relaxed, and, and Arsenal have capitalised on it. Um, but clearly, when you've got an extra man, you're going to make that advantage count in terms of the, you know, if you've been playing a high energy game, if you've been pressing your opponent high up the pitch, then obviously that's going to tell more on the team with 10 men than 11. Um, and as for Wenger, I mean, it's, it is unfortunate because the thing is that Wenger, like, you know, well, to be honest, Wenger is a bad loser. But I think that the, 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 the reverse of that is, you know, you show me a successful team who aren't bad losers. I think Barcelona are a classic example of bad losers. They're <laughs> terrible losers. You look at last season um, with, with Inter and when they've lost to Chelsea. Every time Barcelona lose, it's, a, it's an outrage to football and there's been, a, you know, a scandal committed because <laughs> some team has dared to come and, 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 you know, give them, you know, try to play them in a different style of game rather than allowing them to pass pretty patterns around them. <laughs> so, so, you know, you're always going to get that from, from a team that, that has ambition. I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing that Wenger is a bad loser. The problem is, unfortunately for Arsenal, you know, Arsenal haven't won a lot of tournaments recently and therefore they're getting to be heard as a bad loser more often than most. Mm. Okay, well, yeah, I can see exactly where you're coming from there. You can uh, need to mix up the bad losing with some good winning. Exactly. Uh, I mean, time. you know, look at Ferguson, you know, mm. refusing to talk to the press after the, the, the United-Liverpool game. Look at, you know, look at, I just honestly think, and look at any team that's successful and you're going to see a bunch of bad losers because it's a team that wants to win. But it's just, yeah, as I say, it's unfortunate for us. Mm. <laughs> Perhaps not won as many times as, as we would like recently. Right. Well, let, let's uh, now that we're on this kind of subject a little bit, let's let's talk about 
Uh, To me, there's a bit of snobbery that surrounds Barcelona because of the way they play football and the players that they have. And I think they're they're, they're kind of lucky in in a way because they've got a generation of players in maybe the same way that Arsenal did when the Invincible team were out. They have, you know, Messi, Xavi, Iniesta together. They bought him via and they've, you know, uh, an incredible group of players, a probably once-in-a-lifetime group of players. Uh, And the football is fantastic and we we all know that. But... There's a bit of snobbery in the sense that a lot of the stuff that they do that every other team does as well, the gamesmanship, the cheating, etc., it doesn't get mentioned as part of uh, as part of their makeup. And there's a great picture uh, that Stuart McFarlane, the Arsenal Club uh, photographer, took the other night after the Van Persie uh, Alves coming together in the first half where Van Persie got a yellow card. There's three or four Barcelona players around the referee screaming. Mascherano is in his ear, as you might imagine, and they're looking clearly for for a red card. That, that sort of stuff on the pitch um, it doesn't seem to get mentioned very much. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Um, you know, it's 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 interesting. You know, I I uh, I have you know some friends who are, who are Chelsea fans, and, and and they talk all the time about this. Obviously, they've had a few run-ins with them down the last few years. But I think you, you, you could certainly see in a lot of their big Champions League games in, in, in recent years. And again, I, I go back to the Inter semi-final last year with Busquets throwing himself on the floor and helping to get Mota sent off. And, and no, I mean I think they're they're they're, they're very um, they're very clever at their gamesmanship. In fact, you know, for me, I even think back to the 2006 uh, final in Paris. I remember being there for that, and I, I remember thinking more than once in the, in the second half when they were pressing and, and trying to to get that equaliser. What you saw was just some very very shrewd, actually, very clever off-the-ball fouls from, from players like Puyol, just knowing when to check an opponent high up the pitch when the referee's not going to spot it, mm. um, when, when, when the move isn't fully developed yet, but ineffectively cutting off an opponent's run. I think I think they are, you know, I think they are... I don't want to necessarily say they're, they're more guilty than every other team, but I think perhaps they're forgiven it more than other teams, and therefore, as you say, it doesn't get discussed as much as, as, as some others. All right, well, we'll, um, I suppose, leave Barcelona there and, and wish them luck, perhaps. Uh, for the for the rest of the competition. Well, I mean, you, you, you can't, you, you know, for, for all that, you, you can't you can't begrudge the fact they did play some brilliant football mm. in, uh, in in midweek. But I think it's just uh, the sense that that, that 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 I have, and the sense that I think probably most Arsenal uh, fans have is that um, it's just you sort of you just sort of wish that you'd, you'd been able to have a level playing field on it and, and that that decision hadn't gone that way because then if Barcelona had won, then you would have just had to say, well, that's what happened. But you know, instead, you do just get this sense of frustration about it. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. 
It's a brand new year, and what better time to get going with that online store you've been thinking of? Those I was there when Arsenal actually scored a goal t-shirts would fly off the shelves right now. And to get yourself up and running, you need Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way through to the did we hit a million order stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms, and sell more with less effort with thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Sign up for a $1 a month trial period at shopify.com slash arsblog, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash arsblog now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash arsblog. wondering what would have happened if Van Persie been on the pitch. Mm. Uh, and of course, the on-pitch annoyance comes on top of all the stuff that happened last summer with Cesc Fabregas and the off-field and the way they, yeah. they talk. So, I mean, yeah, it, it's a, a big mountain. And of, which will happen, I'm sure, again this summer. Something to look forward to, no doubt. <laughs> exactly. Let, let's look at where Arsenal are then now at the moment because a few weeks back it was a quadruple and... Um, you know, the Carling Cup final didn't go anywhere near according to plan, obviously, and now out of the Champions League. And, and coming up this weekend is a massive game against Manchester United in the FA Cup. And uh, I think the the way things are, was uh, sort of it's a bit precarious that Saturday could provide a huge lift considering the opponents and, and what it might mean, a semi-final, and, and there aren't too many big, big teams left in, in the FA Cup. Another defeat, though, that's an out of another competition, psychological blow losing against Manchester United. He, he's uh, spoken about how he's going to pick the best possible team he can pick this weekend. Uh, there are some injuries, we know that, but he's spoken about picking the best possible team. He really does need to get a response from them just to sort of get things going again, particularly uh, for the league run-in as well. It's an interesting one, isn't it? I, we were, um, I was actually uh, I was recording the, 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 Guardian, uh, the Guardian's Football Weekly Extra podcast earlier, and we got into this discussion a little bit where this almost is a game that a few weeks ago you could imagine both managers being a little bit willing to, to take the to take their foot off a little bit on because, you know, if Arsenal were coming in, into this having won the Carling Cup, then perhaps they would have been able to say, well, actually, you know, the Premier League is more important to us next, so let's not worry so much about this game. Mm. And, and, and similarly with United, if they weren't coming off back-to-back defeats in the league, then they'd probably be able to go, well, you know, actually this isn't the most important one we're on, maybe we can rest a few players, but instead you've got a situation where for both teams it's suddenly a very important game. Mm. Um, and I was I was, you know, at the time I was so frustrated about it. Well, you know, obviously I was, I was still very happy, but I was very frustrated because actually my uh, my honeymoon coincided with the Carling Cup final, and uh, I was out of the country, didn't get to, uh, didn't in the end even get to see the game. I was sort of uh, hitting refresh on a on an internet station for the first half, or following minute by minute reports, and then uh, in the second half was was out and around, so I couldn't even do that. But uh, you know. I, <sighs> I, mean, I was listening as well last week when you had Dara on uh, Dara Brand on and, and, and mm. what he was saying about uh, it, uh, you know, it not necessarily being important to wing things and, and as a fan you can just enjoy the football. And there's truth in that. There is truth in that. But after six years, being as 
as you know, and of course, lots of teams go much longer than six years without winning a trophy. But being as as successful, you know, generally as Arsenal are, winning as many games as they do, you do get a little bit frustrated, just sort of wanting something. And it does feel now like that Carling Cup was just such a huge miss because now it's sort of weighing down on the rest of the season. And and I think it's given this this game against United even more importance than it would have had anyway. It it is an interesting one. I, I was listening to uh, news talk the other night, and Xavier Rivoire, who I'm sure you you know. Or, or know of anyway, he wrote that biography about Arsene Wenger and he says that it's time for, for Arsene Wenger to go, that uh, the reason the club aren't winning anything is because of him. Mm-hmm. I think that's a little unfair because I think there's, there's plenty of stuff that's gone on at the club that uh, he's had to manage the money and manage the finances and sell players along mm-hmm. the way. But uh, I think you're right in the sense when you talk about the Carling Cup being a, a weight uh, now, it, it would have been a weight off had, had we won it. And there is, with just 10 league games to go, Arsenal are in uh, a fantastic position in the league. Mm. Uh, there's some difficult games. Um, but we've seen the team fall away in, in the final stages of the season, and there's injuries that, that, that play a part in that. Um, you can't talk about sacrificing one uh, tournament for the other, and certainly the game against United is, is, is massively important. But winning the league this season uh, would answer a lot of critics. Yeah, I mean, look, the league would be so much better than, than anything. I almost think it, you know, and this isn't always true, but I almost think for Arsenal right now it would be a, a bigger thing than winning the Champions League. I think winning the league after the, the hiatus that Arsenal have had would be just, I think it would be hugely significant. But I think it, that's the problem. As you look back at 2008 and that that semi-final against Manchester United, when Wenger's also oh, not semi-final, but FA Cup uh, tie against Manchester United, where he, where he fielded a real weakened team mm. and got absolutely hammered at Old Trafford, and that's the problem. You, you you see that, and you look at the run that Arsenal went on in the league afterwards, and you think, well, they just can't afford to do that again. This one has to be taken seriously. And coming right after the game against Barcelona, coming with a time when players are injured, you know, the midfield's looking thin, obviously Cesc has injured himself again and, you know, I, it's frustrating the game against Barcelona. I, 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 there is a bit of me that thinks it was a little bit um, selfish of, of Fabregas to, to insist that he was fit and insist on playing in that game because I think that he's possibly now done done more harm than good. I mean, you know, he, he tweeted as much, but... Uh, but yeah, I, I, I saw your tweet about uh, about uh, what Xavier said last night, and and it's it's a conversation that comes up often now among Arsenal fans. You know, should is it time for Wenger to move on? Is it time for someone else? And and I I'm not without sympathy for his argument. I think I can I can certainly see that the, the sorts of reasons that he'd be putting forward. But the problem is, is as ever in these situations, it's all very well and good to say, oh, you know, Wenger needs to move on. They need someone fresh to give something different. But who, you know, who's going to come in and do a better job than Arsene Wenger? Because he is a fantastic manager and there aren't many managers of that caliber available caliber available in the world and you know that's that, that's the question that no one's been able to answer me yet hmm. the final question for the weekend what would the would a win over united because it seems like uh, quite some time since we've beaten them would a win over united um not only progresses obviously in the fa cup but provide a bit of a psychological boost ahead of the league game I think it would, it would certainly give them something. I think uh, this is possibly a, uh, again, the problem is that Arsenal have injuries, but this is possibly a time when, when Manchester United are a tiny bit more vulnerable as well because they're sandwiched between important games and, and, and also missing, uh, I believe, uh, I believe they're missing Rio Ferdinand this weekend. Mm-hmm. And I think any time you can play United when it's not that partnership of Vidic and Ferdinand, you have a significantly improved chance of getting a result against them. And I think to go to Old Trafford and get and, and get something over them, having 
been able to close the gap at the top over the last couple of weeks, even if, if not as much as we would have liked with that game against Sunderland, uh, I think certainly it, w- it would be significant. All right. We, we better leave it there. Uh, Paolo Bandini, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much indeed to Paolo Bandini. You can find him, of course, on the Guardian football pages or on Twitter. If you like, it's uh, twitter.com forward slash Paolo underscore Bandini. That's Paolo underscore Bandini. Give him a follow. Right. Before we crack on, here's our Shavin. Hello. I am Arshavin, and uh, this week I have not very good week at all because uh, I have bad experience playing uh, against uh, Sunderland, team who wear red-white uh, stripe. I hate all team like this. Stoke, Sunderland, Southampton, Athletic Bilbao, Atletico Madrid, St. Petersburg retired Airman FC. I hate them the most. But uh, in game against Sunderland, I am scoring a goal after good pass from Bentner. I know, but uh, it was good pass. And uh, I score a goal and linesman have flag. I am not offside. Goal is good goal, but we don't get goal. It is uh, very disappointing because uh, obviously we have uh, suffered because goal is goal and not goal, not goal. So don't get points. And this uh, lineman, what is he doing? He is uh, actually lineman or he is like a terrible sick child, you know, and have a foundation and child is very sick and say, what is a favorite thing uh, in world to do? And child say, I would like to go in helicopter with Mickey Mouse. And then they make helicopter, Mickey Mouse and child is, oh, I am so happy. This is why lineman is there. His last wish to make flag in Premier League game. I don't understand. And then, Play Barcelona and referee send off in Percy. Don't understand why. One second. And later I come on pitch and Iniesta he is talk, 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 little Iniesta. And then Chevy come and I say, Chevy, your father, he is Franco. And Chevy say, what did you say? And I said, yes, your father, he is Franco. Terrible Hollywood actor James Franco. That is how much of a cunt you are. So looking ahead to the Manchester United game tomorrow and the team news, while Robin Van Persie is fit, Sesk is out, Alex Song is out, Theo remains out, Chesney, he's also out. And he's going to see a specialist to decide how long he could miss. Four weeks, six weeks. Either way, we're sailing fairly close towards the end of the season. And it leaves Manuel Almunia as the only fit senior goalkeeper at the club. The manager says he is uh, considering an emergency loan. There is some precedent for this. Uh, Manchester City did it last season when Shea Gibbon was injured against us, I think. And... uh, should it be required, we should be allowed to take in a goalkeeper on loan. The manager says he does know who he wants to bring in, but hasn't contacted the FA yet. So I suppose they have to wait and see uh, with regards to Chesney how long he's going to be. But either way, if it's going to be four weeks, 
at the, at the minimum, uh, we're going to need somebody in the meantime. Manone, I believe, is injured. James Shea has been recalled from loan, but he's also carrying a knock, I think. So the emergency loan thing could be quite interesting. And here's something to consider. Uh, Almunia found himself out of the team and very much out of favour. Fabianski came in and, and sort of established himself as the first choice. I mean, didn't do anything particularly brilliant, uh, but didn't make the mistakes he was making and was obviously being considered as the first choice goalkeeper. In Almunia's injury, Chesney came in and played number two. And then, uh, obviously, he's been the number one for the last little while. But in January, would anybody really have been upset if we'd sold Almunia? There's a lot of people who thought about it at the time and said, you know what? Yeah, let him go. We've got Fabianski, we've got Chesney waiting in the wings, and really, which team in modern football gets injuries to their two first-choice goalkeepers in one season? Just doesn't happen. Almunia can go, off he goes to Turkey or back to Spain, wherever. It's a good job that we didn't. The manager was obviously a bit cautious, and uh, on this occasion he was right to be so. Uh, let's hope that Manuel can produce... Uh, some consistency over the next few games when he will be needed. He was fantastic against Barcelona and kept the score down. Uh, let's just hope that uh, in games against the likes of Stoke, etc., etc., uh, that he can do the business as well. Um, so, that's the goalkeeping situation. Uh, the Manchester United situation, well, what can you say about the game? It's hard to know what sort of Arsenal will turn up. It's hard to know what sort of performance we'll get. Hard to know what's going to happen to us, what more could happen to us in terms of luck. As somebody said to me during the week, the only luck we get at the moment is bad luck. And I think that's quite true. And I don't see a performance that will take Manchester United apart tomorrow. I just don't see that happening. But I think after everything that's gone on in the last little while, we deserve a slice of luck along the way. So maybe a fluky goal or a penalty that isn't necessarily a penalty or one of the opposition gets sent off, allowing us to take advantage of the extra man and the space and the time and scoring the goals and all that kind of stuff, but just something to turn things around a little bit because you just get the sense that we need a bit of a boost to go out of three cup competitions in the space of X amount of days. I don't know how long it is. Within two weeks, is it? That would be hard to take. And even though you can talk about, well, at least now we can focus on the league, there's momentum and belief and confidence that we need to get some of that back. And going into the final 10 games of the season, from a league point of view, it would just be good to get things motoring again tomorrow. So fingers crossed and we can get that little bit of luck that we need. If we beat United, we're the only big gun left in the draw, apart from... Uh, Manchester City, and I know our cup record against smaller teams of late hasn't been particularly good, but there you go. It's just another chance, and I just would fear for our confidence, or our fragile, shattered confidence, if we were to uh, suffer another defeat tomorrow. So I'm not going to think about that and think positively and, and hope that we can get that slice of luck or Rooney somehow punches the referee in the face repeatedly, causing a mass brawl and all the United players to be sent off, and we're awarded the game on some technicality. I'll take it. I'll take whatever I can get this weekend, I have to say. So uh, let's keep fingers crossed for that. Talk to you all next week on the blog, and, of course, on next week's Arscast. Until then, cheers, bye-bye.
It's the Nick Banner Show with me, Nick Banner, Owen Deadly. Hello there, and welcome to the very first edition of the Mick Bentner Show. Now, you might not know who I am, but I'm Mick Bentner, and I am the greatest striker to ever lived. You can think of anyone you want in the world, like uh, Pele, Maradona, Gary Lineker, uh, Peter Undluvil, him and all. And I'm miles better than any of them. And this show is about my finest moments in the game of football to make everyone else go, oh, that Mick Benner, he's the best striker ever. Anyway, today I'm going to recreate for you my goal against Barcelona in the uh, Champions League round of 16. And here we go. It's Wilshire out on the right-hand side. And he plays a beautiful ball in with the outside of his foot to Banner. Banner controls it. Only got the keeper to beat. He takes a touch. Lifts it over the goalkeeper. He heads it. Heads it again. He's like a football and steel line. This is amazing. He goes round the defender. Comes back to halfway. Beats them all again. Comes back out to the edge of the box. And does an overhead kick into the goal. That is the best goal that Mick Banner has ever scored until the next goal that he scores man this player is something else the crowd's gone metal Mick Banner Mick Banner we love you we love you well, yeah. well that's how it happened in my world anyway it's the Mick Banner show with me Mick Banner or Deadly